I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, Yue Xu, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Kraftchik, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Dateable Podcast, a show all about modern dating. Hello everyone, it has been a crazy week. I can't believe this, usually Julie and I record in the same room, we're literally right next to each other, but this is the first time we've done an intro where we're zooming in. Yeah, we cannot I mean, be physically together. This is the world of COVID nineteen, right? So we're like amidst the coronavirus pandemic right now. So if you're catching this at a later time, hopefully by then everything is much better. But things are absolute craziness right now in the world. And honestly, two weeks ago we were both like, uh, "No, no big deal. Oh, More yes. people die from the flu. You know, this will pass in no time." And I don't know what happened, Julie. I think it, this all happened last week. It, it was escalated like, oh shit, fast. oh shit, oh, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, like two weeks ago, I was at a dinner party and we were like kind of half mocking the people at Costco loading up on toilet paper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this week you are that person yeah, exactly. loading up on toilet paper. <laughs> and honestly, I'm buying shit that I don't know why. I don't know why I need it, but other people are buying it. So I'm just going to buy it. You're like, I haven't used this in 10 years, but I need to hoard it all. <laughs> right. And there is no supply chain issue. So many people have told me that. I mean, things are going to get restocked. But yeah. for some reason, this panic and fear is driving us to a whole new level of humanity. I know. It is really crazy. Like this whole thing has been nuts. I think like what it was like a week ago that we were getting questions from people like, can I still be dating during this mm-hmm. time? And we kind of actually even put up a poll like there's two types of people out here right now. Like that give zero fucks <laughs> and the one that the ones that are like super careful. But Julie, you also went on a date. You braved your life 
to go on a date this weekend. Well, I was going to say that now. I think if we re-ran the poll, it'd probably be like 100% as the super cautious people. Because <laughs> I think even, yeah, like a week ago, I'm like, you know, you know what? I, I think it's going to be okay to go on a date. Like, it just doesn't have to get crazy or whatever. And I wasn't sure if I should go. I kind of had that mixed feeling. And we ended up doing mm-hmm. a three-hour phone call, actually. So we did two phone calls. One was in replacement of the first date. And then one was just the night before we actually set up the date. And I think it was great because you actually got to like connect with someone on a really deep level. So that's like the benefit of coronavirus right now. (laughs) But I think there was a little bit of a false sense of intimacy, if that makes sense. Like we both went in thinking like this was going to be something. And it was a little bit of a disappointment in real life. And I think he also thought like, oh, this is our third date because of all the phone calls we had and was expecting to be a little more physical than I was ready for. So Mm. that was an interesting side of all of this. What was interesting about your experience with this date was you guys had a three hour phone conversation. Yeah. Who does that nowadays? Yeah. I think it was like three hours one night and like an hour another night, which is crazy. Nobody does that anymore. And that was like over the phone. It wasn't over FaceTime or, you know, something else, but it was like old fashioned phone call. Yeah, which was actually really nice. I think there were maybe two things I would have done differently is maybe I would have actually introduced well, now, especially at SF, because we're all at shelter at home, like we're the first city right now to have this mandate that we can't leave for non essentials. So we're on almost lockdown. Um, So I guess at this point, you kind of have to do the Zoom date, right? Mm -hmm. But I think I would have probably introduced that instead of one of the phone calls, maybe done video, because at least you get more of a feel of someone's whole demeanor. Mm -hmm. But there was something very intimate about having phone calls. Uh, The only thing was, I just feel like we kind of talked about everything. So when we actually met up, there wasn't as much to talk about. Yeah. And also... Yeah, people have time nowadays. <laughs> I think before coronavirus, people would not carve out three hours of their day to talk on the phone. But now people have all the time in the world. So maybe that false sense of intimacy kind of comes from this uh, all of a sudden free up of time as well. Yes. And I even actually like debated in my mind being like, is it safer to just invite this guy to my house versus like meet <laughs> out, which I would never do right without this virus. Like you would I never do you that. I remember asking me that question and I was like, no. And I'm really <laughs> glad don't. I didn't. Like there was actually no one really where I was anyway. So the odds of contacting it was probably really low. It was probably more of an odds from him. So <laughs> yeah. It's, I think it's great that it's letting us slow down a little with our love lives, but I think we also need to make sure we're not like jumping the gun to try to find someone to kind of shack up with during this time. But Julie, this is kind of similar to some of the people's experiences on Love is Blind on that Netflix show because they have all the time in the world. So they can only talk to each other when they're in the pods. And it does create a (laughs) false sense of intimacy because you feel like you're spending so much time getting to know the other person. It's kind of like similar to what we've talked about before with marathon dates. Oh, yeah. People who go on eight-hour dates and they feel like, oh, they really connected when it's just two people had too much time on their hands. Did you see the (laughs) meme that was like Netflix? Netflix Love is Blind was basically setting us up for (laughs) (laughs) COVID-19. And it's actually really fascinating because ironically, UA and I started this Love is Blind experiment because we wanted to Mm -hmm. replicate the show. It wasn't before coronavirus started, but it was before it became like it is now in the US, Mm -hmm. right? So we thought like, oh, they're going to talk for a week, then they'll go out, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, now we're like, we don't know when they're actually going to meet. But one thing I do like about our experiment versus Netflix is that we give them a time limit. They're only able to talk for 30 minutes at a time. And I do think for anybody taking video dates or phone dates, set a time limit. Don't talk for three hours or like eight hours. It's it's kind of like the same things that you would do normally. I think we can't go stir crazy because we're inside all the time. Like I feel like some of the things that we typically do, we might just throw out the window. Like I was saying earlier, inviting someone to my home on the first date. 
would never do that before, right? But I think like even maintaining your own life, like it's hard when you're at home and maybe you've limited things, but there's definitely things you can do at home, like read or listen to podcasts or even like just connect with friends and family, right? You'll probably have more than enough time to cuddle with Mojo. Oh, yeah. (laughs) There was a meme that said dogs are really enjoying the coronavirus (laughs) because all all the the, um, humans were staying home. I mean, the memes have been on point right now. Like, I think if you want to make sure you're catching them all, like definitely also go to our Instagram because we're making sure that we're on top of them. There are so many. The one yesterday was so epic that was like i think i'm ready to start dating again and it's like universe are you (laughs) (laughs) it's like i'm gonna introduce a virus where you can't touch anyone (laughs) yeah well played universe well played and for people who are in relationships or in the beginning of relationships what i'm experiencing is it's this reality that i'm gonna have to spend a lot of time with my boyfriend now (laughs) It's the ultimate test of a relationship yeah. because we're choosing to spend the next three weeks together and we've never done that. <laughs> we're going to see each other all the time. And there was a moment because I was actually in LA before this mandate happened and I had a moment where it, I had two choices. I could either stay with my parents for the next three weeks where they would cook for me and take care of me <laughs> or come back north and spend three weeks with my boyfriend and I I was really conflicted I'm not gonna lie (laughs) like could I handle jumping into this three-week lockdown with someone well I'm really glad for your own safety that you just drove back from LA and didn't get on a plane so that made me really happy that was like major brownie points that he drove down to LA that's huge yes I agree (laughs) he went down to LA to save me and now we're back in San Francisco, <laughs> locked up. But yeah. unexpected things can happen in the world. And for all of you daters out there, we really encourage you to join this hashtag flatten the curve, right? Like, I know you want to meet each other in real life, but just don't. Just stay at home, please. Just I mean, I admit I had this feeling, oh, my God, like, you know, it's some people already feel like a time pressure, right? It's like, oh, my God, when am I actually going to be able to go out and meet people again? But the Mm -hmm. reality is your love life could wait. It's what? It's three weeks right now for sure. And even if it was, God forbid, like longer, it's the least of our problems at this moment. Yeah. Or get creative in your dating. It You can break that cycle of going out for a drink and talking nonsense. Maybe this is your chance to get really deep over FaceTime or over the phone. So get creative with your love life. It doesn't have to go on pause. It just has to be, you just have to like pivot. Or you can take a walk and just stay six feet apart. So like people don't (laughs) even know you're together. (laughs) Yeah. And don't let the authorities see you. (laughs) (laughs) Just like scream over. (laughs) Yeah, because in San Francisco, it is a misdemeanor. If they catch you and going on a walk date is non-essential. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure they classify as non-essential. But you're allowed to go out right now and take a walk. So you technically you can, you could can go take out. a walk. You just can't congregate and you can't like with someone who doesn't live in the same household as you, you can't stand less than six feet apart. Right. So you can just take a very distanced first date. Hey, you know, <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna bring back courtship. <laughs> I agree 100%. Courtship in hazmat suits. And vibrator sales are probably like through the roof. I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. One of the things we're trying to put together is like a dateable survival guide for this. Mm. So we'll let you guys know once that's done. But we have some ideas of how to kind of stay sane in some of those times. And we want to know, how are you coping with this uh, unexpected, difficult times in our lives that we've never experienced in our lifetime. This is sort of a surprise for all of us. How are you coping? How are you adapting? What are some like new behaviors and habits that you've adapted? We love to hear all about it. And how are you carrying along with your love life? Just reach out to us. We want to hear, we want to share everyone's stories. And if you could do us a huge favor, also Give us a review in, in the App downtime, Store, in the Play yeah. Store. <laughs> yeah, you have you have time now. Now's your time to write a review. We want to hear what you think about us and, and for us to 
keep bringing you content. Uh, we really need those reviews. Not going to lie. Yeah, I think it's one of those things I actually even felt like, should we be putting out an episode this week because of everything that's going on? But I think mm-hmm. with people at home, people need any connection they can get right now. And I think Mm -hmm. that's actually been the really nice thing about this is that I don't know about you, UA, but I've been definitely doing more like FaceTime calls with my family. Like we did like a Mm -hmm. family multi different location FaceTime, which was super fun. And then I've been doing like Zoom calls with friends. So I think just because we can't see people, maybe it it's everyone is bonding over this right now. That Mm -hmm. is like the kind of beauty of it. Obviously, I would never ask for this in a billion years, but given what we have, let's make the best out of it. Absolutely. And this really ties into our episode for for today because it's not just talking about the pandemic, but also unexpected things happen in life. Mm-hmm. And how do you adapt to these changes and how do you how do you cater to your loved ones in unexpected situations? So we have Chris on for this episode, who experienced something very unexpected in his marriage of more than 10 years. Yeah, so UA hit me up one day. I was like, I just saw this Facebook status from my friend Chris from high school. We need to get him on the show. And Mm -hmm. I think it was so intriguing because he had this coming out moment, um, how he was coming out as bisexual. um, And he'd been married for, what, like 13 years and yeah, I think more than a decade. Yeah, I think it's like we we don't understand what people are going through internally. Like you see someone's status on Facebook and you just think like, oh, they're married, they have kids, they're just living life. Like you don't know the internal struggles that everyone has at every stage of life. Mm-hmm. And when they're your high school classmate, I mean, in high school, you just think everyone's the same. Yeah. You don't think about people's future and what they're going to evolve to be. So it's it's always a surprise for me to hear about any of my high school classmates evolving into a person that I didn't think they would be because I only know them from high school, right? So this was like double the surprise for me. But this is a fascinating story because it's something so unexpected. And he's got two kids. He's got a wife. You guys have to listen to how he delivered this news to his family, but also to his his own loved ones and his friends. Right, and how they're dealing with things. Because it's like, it's a change, right? Even like we were talking about with coronavirus, like it's a change to all of our lifestyles. Mm-hmm. And you have to adapt. Like, especially if you love someone, you're not going to just end things for whatever reason. Like the change is inevitable and it's how you deal with it. It's not what a person goes through, it's how they react to things that happen to them. And Again, you have to listen to how Chris was able to handle this situation. And I'm sure you have a ton of questions. Is he still in the marriage? Is, does his wife accept him? Uh, how did he tell, how did he deliver the news to his kids? Those are all questions that we had too. And that's why you have to listen. Okay, before we get into this episode, I want to thank our newest sponsor, Empower. One of the most common questions we get from our listeners, aside from dating, It's about finances. So how do you save up for that down payment? How do you save up to pay back student loans? And that's why we're so excited to introduce you guys to Empower, which is a mobile banking app that does exactly that. It helps you save. So you simply tell the app your weekly savings target. For example, mine is $200 a week. And every day, Empower studies your income and spending and automatically knows when to move the right amount of money into your savings account. With Empower, every extra dollar you save goes towards that financial goal you have in mind. So don't delay. Go check out the Empower app. Download Empower, that's spelled E-M-P-O-W-E-R, in the App Store or Play Store. I did, and over 650,000 other people have, so you know it's legit. And for listeners of this show, get $5 when you use the offer code DATABLE and reach your savings goal. Just visit empower.me slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E for more details. All right, now it's time to hear from Chris. As we've learned from this podcast, 
anything could happen in your lifetime. And there's just no predicting what could happen to your relationships, how you view relationships could change, how your dynamic with other people could change. And our guest today exemplifies someone who has gone through a major change, but also has um, made it work for the life that he had created before. So we have Chris on the line right now. Hi, Chris. How are you? Hello, I'm doing well. Chris is actually a high school friend of mine. We have not seen each other in a really long time. I mean, like maybe five years, right? Because we just graduated from high school. Oh, yeah. Totally <laughs> five yeah, years yeah. ago. <laughs> um, but Chris is 38 years old. Okay, now I'm scared. Now you've revealed, you revealed that it wasn't five years ago. All right, that was, that was super, bad. Super, super seniors. I'm, I would yeah. be really bad if I had a fake ID. I'd be like, yeah, I'm 38. Oh, shit. Um, so Chris is 30, 38 years old. He is married originally from Fort Collins, which is where I'm from, and he currently lives in beautiful Denver. So this is what Chris wrote to us. He said, I'm a bisexual man who came out late in life when I was already married with children. My wife and I had to work together to accept this while maintaining our marriage. This is just an, such a profound statement right there. I guess what we should start off with is how and when did your did you and your wife meet? Oh, uh, we met in San Diego when I was out there going to college. It actually was uh, kind of unexpected. We found each other on a dating site. Which one? Uh, okay, Cupid. Okay. Uh huh. What um, year was this, Chris? Oh, this was. 2004. Whoa. I didn't even know OkCupid existed in 2004. Uh, I I think it was pretty new at the time. But I had sent her an initial message and hadn't heard back from her. Uh, But we both happened to be getting together with mutual friends that we didn't even know we had. And so we're both like looking at each other in this fan group conversation like, she kind of looks familiar. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And finally, her best friend, who she had like shown my profile saying like, hey, this guy messaged me, what do you think? Caught on and I think clued her in or we we managed to piece it together by the end of the night and – had our first date a few nights later. Gotcha. So what was your dating? I mean, obviously college is pretty early. Like what was your dating situation prior? Like what other experience did you have? I was actually coming off of my first marriage, which hadn't lasted very long. And so there was some worry about this being kind of a rebound thing because I hadn't had much experience kind of dating in general. It had been a series of kind of long-term relationships. Wait, so you got married after high school? Uh, my first wife and I, uh, we'd only, we hadn't been married very long, less than a year. It was one of those things that we should have realized it was a mistake before the wedding, but just chalked it up to stress about the getting ready for the wedding and then realized, oh no, there were uh, lots of fundamental problems. <laughs> Oops, we're married. So I guess, yeah. so just like timeline, how old uh, were you when you and your wife met? I was 24. Wow. Okay. So then you were married so, uh, at like 22, like right out of college? Um, got married to my first wife uh, at 23. I had kind of a protracted college career. I had started going to school in Denver, stopped, moved to San Diego, started going to school there. So Got it. Before the first wife, what was your dating experience like? Were you only dating women? Uh, yes. So how and when did you come out and realize that you're bisexual? Really just a couple years ago. It is one of those things that in hindsight, a lot of stuff seems obvious, but I never really considered it that much because like, I'm, I know I'm attracted to women. So mm-hmm. as straight was just kind of seemed like the default, but it was a couple years ago. So when I was 34, Five thirty, yeah, thirty-five. I started noticing that I was would like see attractive men and you know have a response that I wasn't expecting, mm. uh, and so it was just kind of like. <laughs> so, Chris, I, more clarification for myself is that at thirty-five, you fully embrace your bisexuality, but you said before uh, that you had seen signs of it. What were some of those signs? Just kind of like a an appreciation of attractive men that I just thought everyone thought that way. Uh, I didn't have the aversion to, you know, I guess, scantily clad men or uh, or homosexual content that some of my other straight friends did. Uh-huh. You know, I've always kind of felt, I don't know, I guess like an affinity or a kinship for, for the LGBT community, but it was something that, you know, I, I wrote off as at best allyship, never really thought it applied to me. So when you realize that you are bisexual, how did you deal with it internally? Uh, internally, it took a lot of wrestling because it was something that 
I had never considered before. And I had to think about, is this actually the case? What does it mean if it is? You know, I had a lot of fear about what it meant for my marriage, because that's you know not what either of us were considering when right. we got married. You've been married for, at this point, 10 years. And yeah. how many children? Two. Two. And at this point, too, you hadn't had any experiences with men. No. So mm. basically, your first wife then your current wife, those were your experiences? Yeah. Uh, you know, I dated a, a little bit before my first wife, but mm-hmm. I'd never had any any experiences with anyone other than women. Got it. So the reason why I reached out to you is because you had that coming out message on Facebook. And I was just like so taken aback by it because it was so like, boom, I'm here, right? You guys, this is an announcement. And I was like, go Chris. <laughs> but obviously leading up to this Facebook announcement, yeah. this press release, of sorts. You, <laughs> you had to come out in more private ways. So who was the first person you came out to? Uh, the first person I came out to was my wife, uh, my wife, Meg. I had been internally wrestling with it for a few months and uh, trying to figure out how to tell her because I knew that she was the first person I needed to tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she's my wife. She's the most important person in my life. Yep. She needs to know this about me. Do you remember um, like what you actually said to her? do because I had been thinking about it and I still managed to botch it. Uh, <laughs> that always happens. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, uh, she had made some kind of joke about around coming out day. And if she made it just this offhand joke, nothing mean spirited, nothing like that. But I just, it caught me off guard because I'm had this moment of, I can go along with her joke, mm. but that seems like I'm directly lying to her or I can pull the trigger and come out now. And she, noticed my reaction before I said anything and noticed something was bothering me. And uh, I basically told her that there there are men I find attractive. And you know, from there, we had kind of a long conversation about you know, what that meant, how long I'd been trying to figure this out. I, it was a couple days later before I even said the word bisexual about myself out loud. Mm-hmm. And did you like express to her that you wanted to explore this beyond just finding men attractive? I didn't. Uh, my main concern when I came out was keeping the marriage how it was and I thought that what would happen is I would tell her this and say this is something new I've discovered about myself now you know and our life would just go back to normal mm. ah so you came out to her with the intentions of staying in the marriage you just wanted her to know this other layer of who you are yeah huh so current day have you acted on this no it's it is something we've talked about more in depth but we have come to the conclusion that the best thing for our marriage is just is to remain monogamous. I am still bisexual and like I acknowledge these attractions that I have, but just like when I find other women attractive, mm, I don't act on it. Do you feel like repressed <sighs> at all or are you okay with this? Uh, that, that's a tricky question. <laughs> I tricky. it has taken some time and some therapy, but I'm I've gotten to a place of peace with it. I think it bothered me for a while, mostly that I hadn't figured this out earlier in life mm-hmm. when I could have explored it without you know damaging my marriage or anything like that or you know fundamentally changing my marriage. But right now, that you know those regrets and any desires I have are less important to me than the relationship I have with my wife and the life and family we've built together. And when you first came out to Meg, what was her reaction? Uh, surprise, mm. definitely. And at first, she was a little unsure because it was completely out of the blue for her. Yep. And I, I think there was a feeling that you know, if I was springing this on her, what else might come up? Oh. Um, she's not. Ex- it was one of those things that if I had known earlier, I would have told her earlier. I just hadn't processed this for myself yet. Right. What about your children? But do they know? They do. Yeah. And what's uh, their reaction? Their reaction was less surprised. They kind of took it in stride. I think. How, um, how old are your children, Chris? Uh, right now they are ten and seven. So how do you come out to children? What did you say to them? Um, I think the first time it came up was we were talking about different people's orientations because you know my youngest was probably five at the time. You know, they're starting to learn the difference between boys and girls and mm. relationships and stuff. And we were talking about how different people, it's not just men being attracted to women. There's different 
ways that that could happen in the world. And I used myself as, as an example, along mm. with, you know, I said, you know, there are women who are only interested in men, like your mom. And there are uh, people who are interested in both women and men, like me. Mm. And then, you know, those examples is, you know, then, then, you know, these friends we have that are, you know, both men who are married to each other. Oh, okay. And just kind of show, it was as an example of all the different ways that, uh, that love and attraction can show up in the world. I also feel like the younger generation is just much more fluid with sexuality. Yeah. So I wouldn't be totally surprised if they were just like, okay, okay. They're probably let's so move on. Exposed to it next, yeah. What's your, yeah, what's your they, point? Yeah. yeah. They pretty much took it in stride. Um, they have kind of since then become some of my most strident supporters. They will color the bisexual flag on just about anything with uh, paper and markers. <laughs> it's a lot uh, more colorful. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing is uh, they both skate junior roller derby and their team marches in the local pride parade every mm, year. So I've awesome. gone and done that with them. So how did your friends and family react? Because I guess just hearing this from the Facebook post that UA mentioned, I would have thought I would have assumed you were exploring. Like, did they right. make those oh. assumptions? Let's take a quick break and acknowledge that the world is crazy right now. While we hope you're all staying safe and healthy, we also think you should treat yourselves to some good wine. First Leaf is a wine subscription that has all the perks of an exclusive wine club without the state price tag. And for dateable listeners only, you'll get six bottles of award-winning wine for only $29.95. This includes free shipping for a year. And with this offer, you'll also get $10 off your second order. First Leaf offers 100% satisfaction guarantee. And from personal experience, the boxes get better and better each time because they learn more about your preferences after each box. I'm currently on my fifth box and there's this Argentinian wine in there that I can't even begin to describe how gorgeous it is. So remember, sign up with our link and you'll get six bottles of wine for $29.95 plus free shipping for a year. Just go to tryfirstleaf.com slash dateable. Remember to rate every bottle from your first box so you get $10 off your next shipment. That's tryfirstleaf.com slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E. Now back to the show. So how did your friends and family react? Because I guess just hearing this from the Facebook post that UA mentioned, I would have thought I would have assumed you were exploring. Like, did they right. make those oh, assumptions? Uh, a couple people have. Most people have, have asked if that's something I'm doing. I noticed I would get more assumptions from people who didn't know me as well. Mm. Um, that they hear, you know, a bisexual married person, they must be, uh, they must have an open marriage of some sort. Mm. Yeah. But no, uh, friends and family, I think just if they have any assumptions that hasn't come up, it really is. I think they just know it as us as being, you know, Chris and Meg, we're married and that's, that's the extent of it. Has there been any challenges with coming out to your family? There haven't uh other than my own nervousness mm -hmm. it, it took me a while after uh after coming out to meg to get up the courage and tell them because it's it's one of those things that i needed to figure out how to come out because it's not like anything major is changing right. it's just here's this information that i want you to have so i guess in your opinion since nothing major is changing what does coming out mean to you it means being more honest with myself about who i am it has opened up uh some possibilities you know that i'm not you know i'm not exploring this you know romantically or or physically with anyone but i'm trying to get a little more involved in the local lgbtq community and it's had me re-examining other assumptions I've made about my life. You know, one of the mo more notable ones is that my I keep my nails painted now. You know, had these assumptions of, you know, I'm a masculine straight guy and that's just not done. And what compelled you to be so vocal on social media and public? Part of it was, you know, that it was coming out day and I, I want people to know that part of me um, as a being true to myself aspect and so that, you know, if I run into friends at a pride event or something, they're not surprised at what I'm doing there. Got it. Um, and part of it is I spent a lot of my life repressing this um, because I think it subconsciously felt shameful to me. So I want for myself to appear proud about it and for other people to see that, you know, this is who I am. I'm fine with it. I'm happy. I'm still living the life that I, that I wanted to. I spent so much time hiding it for myself that mm -hmm. I don't want to hide it at all anymore. 
What about like anything that doesn't threaten your relationship, like porn or, or going right, to or, like a gay bar, for yeah. example? Um, yeah, I, I'll go out to gay bars. Those are things that we've discussed kind of on a case by case basis. And it's not something I've taken her up on, but Meg has said that you know, if I want to go out and flirt with someone a little bit mm. that's fine it's okay. just kind of a just not taking it anywhere beyond uh, surface level flirting got it i guess um, in a way if you think about it this is a very similar situation to someone let's say didn't date much at all and got married to their first love yep and then maybe like 10 years after being married they they come to realize that they're attracted to other people right and they want their partner to know without threatening the relationship it's very it's a very similar kind right. of scenario this is just men. This is it's part just, of who yeah, I am. I exactly. am attracted to other people. I'm not. Go- I'm not going to act on it, but I want to feel fully comfortable embracing the fact that I am attracted to many other people. Yeah, there is that, and that that's something that even before this, you know, we you know, neither of us pretended that the other one would never find anyone else attractive. It's just now some of who we find attractive overlaps occasionally, <laughs> and we can you know, compare notes about which celebrities we think are cute. And, oh, that's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what about porn? What about gay porn? That actually has come up, but is not a huge issue. So an aspect of my life that I don't talk about as much on social media is that I work in the porn industry. You do? Oh. Yeah, I, I work for a company that processes content for cable and on demand companies. Oh, so basically okay. we get the video in, we you know, edit it to their standards and send it out. Uh, so, so you I'm, look at porn all day long. <laughs> I look at porn all day long. It does That's not so have nice. much recreational value for me at this point because it's it's just work. Um, Got it. <laughs> on the plus side, that did kind of help as I was figuring things out is because I had easy access to mm. um, all sorts of pornography and could figure out uh, that more of it worked for me than I had originally assumed. I'm just curious because I think I would assume this would happen. When you came out, did anybody come out and proposition you? No, no one has. Uh, I have one friend who said that he thought when we first met that I was coming on to him, which I hadn't been. (laughs) But yeah, no, no one is, uh, no one's propositioned me. No one has hit on me or anything like that. And have you started to kind of refine your taste in men? Have you identified like a certain look that you're very attracted to? I don't know if I've narrowed it down to a look. I kind of, I know what I like and on a case by case basis, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to identify a type. So has there been any changes to your relationship? Not really. There have been some challenges. It took us a little bit of time to settle into accepting this new aspect of who I am. And I think there was, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. There was, like I said, Meg had the initial concern of, you know, if I'm just finding this out now, what else is there left to find out? Uh, And for my own part, I kind of needed to find, to narrow down what I could do, you know, to express this and to, fulfill the side of me that wasn't going to threaten or hurt her or our marriage. And how did she feel about like you socially coming, like putting this on social media and like publicly coming out? (laughs) She was a little cautious about it at first. Um, I had said something just like a quick one line post uh, earlier on Facebook before the, the long one that I think got more attention on coming out day last year. Mm She had requested that when I did that, I let her know ahead of time so she could put something up, you know, for a mutual friend saying, yes, I know about this, mm. you know, kind of head off any concerns from her friends. Mm. Because I think she actually got more, she had more concerned responses than sure. I did yeah. Yeah. of people either assuming that it meant we were going to open up our marriage or that we were going to end our marriage. Right. Right. And did she have any of those concerns like that you would actually want to really explore or end the marriage? She did. And figuring out, uh, because she was kind of there close to the beginning while I was still figuring out what all I wanted, we had to sort out some of that together. We had a lot of long discussions about the possibility of opening the marriage and whether that would be feasible before coming to the conclusion that it wouldn't. How did you Uh, reach that conclusion? Um, a lot of talking about what it would look like if we did, um, Mm. 
and uh, discussing it with uh, a marriage counselor. And it came down to the fact that there was really no way to do it that would that both of us would be happy with and that would that we could be sure wouldn't threaten the marriage. Let's hold that thought for a sec. We'll get right back to it. This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the High Love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATEABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to ViaHemp.com and use the code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's ViaHemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from ViaHemp. This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash dateable. That is armoire.style, spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast, Exit Interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives, from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. Wait, <laughs> wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. And feedback that will make you swoon. But she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, Nina's going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In, in terms of like your fulfillment with the current arrangement, like I guess what else, like besides opening it up, which doesn't sound like that's on the table, is there any other needs that you have to explore further your sexuality? Not really. You know, once once we kind of settled into what our marriage was going to look like, uh, she's been a lot more comfortable with me, you know, going out to you know gay bars or meetups or or things like that or volunteering with you know, the local community center and going to pride and things like that. And that kind of fulfills that need for me. Hmm, okay. Do you see that changing at all? I know it's hard to put in <laughs> the future. Yeah. Uh, it is hard to say, but I'm not looking for that to change hmm. right okay. now. I think my, my concentration is largely on, on Meg and on the kids, um, which, you know, a 10 and a seven year old take up enough of my time as it is. So. 
Yeah, that's true. You're like, I don't have time to date all these yeah. other people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can just look at them. cookies next month. Okay. Yeah. I'll just look at them on the internet and yeah. call it a day. Yeah. Yeah. Good enough. That makes sense. And then what advice would you have for someone else in a similar situation that basically is struggling with coming out with their sexuality when they may be married or more involved in like a heteronormative relationship? My advice would be to to really look at what is going to be best on an individual basis. Um, you know, for me, that was coming out first to my wife and then to my friends and family, and then to the community at large. But I know not everyone is in that situation. I would not advise someone to end a perfectly a relationship that's perfectly happy and functional over that one thing, unless staying closeted is going to hurt more than losing the relationship. What, Does that what, make sense? It, to- it makes so much sense to me because what fascinates me about your situation is that when people think about coming out, yeah. they think about like sacrificing or yep. like some monumental change or like a major heartbreak of some sort and like backlash. But you've, you're keeping your life the way it is. Yeah. You're just telling people, hey, I have another side of me that I just discovered and I'm fully embracing it, but it doesn't change my relationship. Yep. Nothing has changed except for I'm just a even a more fuller person. I think what you're saying is profound to me because I think one, you two took the necessary steps to see a counselor, to talk through the options of maybe opening up the marriage, of what are some of the other options. And then two, mutually coming to this conclusion of, hey, you are number one to me and this relationship is priority. So I don't want to do anything to damage it. I just want to let you know this other side of me. Yeah. And that's what marriage is about. Totally. That's a great segue to some of our takeaways from this whole discussion. So yeah, thank you for sharing. I don't know, do you want to start off with any takeaways that you have? What I always think about is that your relationship will never stay the same. Relationships change throughout the years, throughout the decades. And for anybody who gets into a marriage thinking it's going to stay the way it is, I mean, just you're being ignorant, right? So I think it's great for two people to stay open-minded and know that we're constantly changing, constantly evolving. And if you truly love someone and you accept them for who they are, then you have to be open to the person they will become later. I think my biggest one is that just because you have this change of sexuality doesn't mean that you have to necessarily act on it. Mm-hmm. And I think like I did make that assumption that like your marriage did drastically change me too, yeah. from hearing that. And you're basically saying like, this is just another side of me yeah. and I'm now embracing this community. I'm embracing who I really am, but I'm also just keeping things as they were. There's some changes and we're working through those, but for the most part, we're keeping our marriage monogamous. That is just the two of us and I'm not acting on the sexuality. Chris, for the community, you know, you're saying that you find yourself more involved with the community now. Have you found other couples who are in a similar situation? That's actually been kind of one of the challenges is I haven't found very many people in relationships like ours. The one exception is actually another friend of mine from growing up back in Fort Collins. She's bisexual in an outwardly appearing heteronormative relationship and married to a man. Other than that, you know, most of the the couples I meet aren't either aren't monogamous or in some way aren't uh, that heteronormative. That just proves another takeaway is that we just can't judge other couples. You just have no idea what's going on in a relationship. And outward appearance wise, I'm sure some people have seen your post and said, oh, there goes that marriage, right? Right. And little do they know that it's actually strengthened your relationship with your wife versus other couples who who appear perfectly happy who may be going through their own things. So we just can't judge other people for their own journeys. I think the other takeaway I have is that coming out in sexuality is much of a spectrum. And I think like there, like there is, could be a notion that you are fully embracing and hooking up with every man in sight. But then there's also the side of just like, I find men attractive and I'm willing mm-hmm. to say that. And that to me is coming out. So I think people can come out along that spectrum and should be kind of open to wherever that takes them. Yeah. All right. Any other thoughts for us, Chris? 
Not really, no. I kind of covered the things that I set out to talk about, I think. <laughs> what are you? What do you think are next steps for you and Meg? Do you think this is like a conversation that you'll revisit in a few years? Or how, how does that work? Uh, right now, what we're doing is just kind of taking what we know works and concentrating on that. This has definitely proved to us that relationships evolve over time and you know, we're not the same people who got married 10 years ago. We have right. another decade worth of experience and growth. And I think being more open to talking about where we are and what we want out of life and how we can help each other and the family as a whole get the most out of life and have our, our best relationship. Thank you so much, Chris, for sharing your story and for being open about your relationship, your marriage, and also your dynamic with your wife. I, I almost wish that we had her on the line, too, because I just want to really say, like, she's what an impressive, wonderful woman to be so, you know, like so loving in this whole situation. Yeah. It can't, it can't be easy because it's almost like your husband saying, I, I'm fully attracted to other people who look nothing like you, yeah. right? <laughs> but also at the same time, being firm in my need of a monogamous relationship and holding mm -hmm. to that. Yep. Really great. Yeah. Cool. All right. Let's wrap this up. Guys, we want to hear stories from you. It's through stories like this that we can learn from each other and that help us evolve as human beings and also help you in relationships as well. So yeah. let us know if you'd like to be a guest on our show or if you know someone who would be great, refer them yeah. to us as well. Or if you've had a similar situation with a different yeah. outcome, we'd mm -hmm. also like to hear from you if let's say you have opened it up or you have explored other possibilities. And like you heard from Chris, he hasn't found other couples who are in a similar situation. So if you are someone who's going through pretty much exact same thing as Chris and Meg, we'd be happy to introduce you guys and, you know, maybe talk to each other and, and share some experiences. All right, let's wrap this up. Stay, Stay dateable. The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag Stay Dateable and trust us, we look at all of those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable. Stay dateable.